How's it going, everybody at the Bridge Goldsboro this morning, after Christmas, before New Year's? We don't know what we are right now, do we? We don't know what to look forward to. We don't know what to look back at. We're just kind of in that kind of that weird limpo mode. I'm grateful that you're all here today. I'm glad you're here. Man, what a great video, talking about being the hands and the feet of Jesus, being the mercies of Christ. I believe with my whole heart that the year 2020 holds great things for you in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? And that's not something that I just say to get you hyped up. I'm declaring the Word of God over your life. Everything with God, He's always calling us forward. And in Christ Jesus, it, the, the best version of us is always yet to be had. He's always, our best days are always ahead of us. Are you the type of person that's looking into 2020 with skeptical eyes, or are you believing in faith that you serve a God that's bigger than your circumstances? Or do you believe with all your heart looking into this new year that, you know what, despite my failures, despite the, the circumstances that I've had to go through, that with God on my side and me walking in God's path for my life, I can be the person that God wants me to be this year. That God can look at me and actually say, I'm pleased with them. That you can be the man or the woman of God that God wants you to be and desires you to be. God's already done it. I think it starts with your faith and believing that, you know what, God actually backs up what he says. Do you believe that? So this is the the question I want to ask you for the Christian, for the man or the woman of God, in order to be that person, in order to be God's voice, what do I need to do in order for that to become a reality. Well, Paul gives us a clue, and this is what he says. This is our anchor verse. Actually, it's not Paul. It's the writer of Hebrews. Many believe it is Peter. Um, But the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12, 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run, say run, run with perseverance, say the race marked out for us. Let us run the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, meaning the author, the one who gives us faith, and the perfecter of our faith. He describes our life on this earth like a race we're running, with the ultimate goal of getting to heaven. Paul described this when he said, I'm running like a runner trying to to win a race, pressing on towards what's ahead, forgetting what's behind me. And the writer of Hebrews says the same thing. It's, it's like we're running this race in life. This coming year, 2020, get this, is a leg of that race. It's a leg of that race. Everything you do, it's, it's not just another year. Every decision you make, every relationship that you have, how you handle yourself, it all matters to God. Relationships that you start, relationships maybe that you end maybe relationships that you deepen, that you already have, they're pre-existing, and you, you deepen that relationship this year. That's all part of this race that we're running in life that prepares you, equips you, and enables you to become the man or woman that God wants you to be. This coming year, how will you become everything God wants you to be? You have to run your race. Say run your race. And I just want you to understand that the, the verse said, it's this, this is a race. It's, it's marked out for you. I, I love the scripture that says, for the ones who are in right standing with God, for the righteous, their steps are ordered. God has ordered your steps. And it's this race that's, that's marked out for us. All we have to do is run it. Now, it wouldn't be fair for me to not share with you that sometimes that the race isn't easy. 
that the race is difficult sometimes because there's an enemy of your faith. His name is Satan, and his whole goal is to pull you off the racetrack. His whole goal is to ensure that you're useless to God. And sometimes when we're running this race of life in Christ Jesus, it demands that we dig deep down and we gather all the courage that we can gather to get through some of the things that we have to go through. And the enemy has a special weapon that he uses to get you off of the track. Do you know what the enemy of the race is? Any race? Sometimes we think it's the other runners, but that's really not it. Not in this race. The enemy of a race is a chair. And they come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. But it's the temptation to sit whenever you're supposed to be standing, running. It's the temptation to take a break, the temptation to get off the track and to sit down. Can you imagine what it would be like if you were watching the Summer Olympics and the fastest runners in the whole world are competing at the highest level in the world and they're running and the gun goes off and they take off and they round corner number two and one of them just pulls a fold-up stool out of his spandex and just lays it on the side of the track and just decides to sit down. How ludicrous would that be? I mean, we're thinking, what are you doing? I don't know how he got the stool in his spandex, but just go with me here. We would go, is this a joke? Like, is this, is this a, a fun game there? What you, get up and run. Like, what are you doing? Runners don't take a break and sit. Runners run the race to completion. And the writer says that our lives are like that, a race. And the stakes are high for you. And everything that God wants you to be, all the milestones he wants you to hit, are along that racetrack. And we're supposed to run it with our eyes, not on ourselves, not on things of this earth, but we're supposed to run it with our eyes fixed on Jesus because he's the one that gave us the faith that it's going to take to run this race. And it's, it's, he's the one that's eventually going to perfect our faith when we get to heaven. But oftentimes we trot along in our Christian walk, and if you can just imagine that this is a racetrack right here, kind of in, right in front of me, and it's, it's a racetrack that spans the length of this stage and goes on for my entire life. And my job and your job is to, is to stay on this racetrack and to run it. But oftentimes we, we trot along, we run along, we walk along sometimes on this racetrack, and we're not focused on the track itself. We stay focused on the chairs that are lined up along the racetrack. And the chairs are simply this. They're the temptation that comes during hardships to sit. The temptation that comes, and we begin to question why pushing so hard to be a Christian really matters anyway. We're, we're running this, this race along with God and, and we see these, these different chairs, and they, they represent different hardships because they come in different sizes and in different times of our life, and they all affect us differently. In the midst of a rough day at work, you may see something like, like this stool right here. It's not too bad, but it's, it's still a chair, and it pulls us to the side, and we eventually sit down, and we find ourselves saying, what difference does it make if I read my Bible today? I've had a hard day. What difference does it really make? Uh, I'll make up for it tomorrow. And eventually we rationalize, we rationalize, we rationalize until eventually all it takes is a hard day at work to keep you out of God's Word. Or maybe you're trotting along this race of life and, and your finances crash. And we know God can come through, but the temptation is, is to pull alongside and quit because we don't know what it's going to take. We don't know how we're going we're gonna to survive this. And eventually, we, instead of pressing into God, we know we should involve Him in this conversation. Not just to believe that he can do it, but to stay on the track and, and pray to him. 
to involve him in this difficulty by pouring our hearts out to him and being sensitive to hearing his voice and what he might have us do in this circumstance. But the temptation along the racetrack of life is to steer off to the side and we find ourselves asking the question, why would he do this to me? He knows I have kids. Why Why would he do this to me? And we give in to that kind of thought pattern long enough to where we find ourselves renouncing the very God that has us on this track to begin with, who gives us everything that we need, and before long, we're just sitting here doing nothing. Maybe you're having a hard time in your marriage. You're trotting along, and your marriage hits the rocks, and and you don't know what it's going to take to fix it, and you start to feel the pain and the anxiety of that, and it's deeper than really anything anybody else around you knows about. Or it's the sickness that you get diagnosed with or a family member or a loved one and, and, and you don't know what's going to happen. And it's a, it's a bigger chair. I mean, it's a, it's a lot bigger chair because you know what? It's a bigger temptation to pull you off the track of life. And maybe there's a habit that you thought you had quit whenever you gave your life to God. But now with this, 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 this trial, this temptation, to be sure God understands that I need this. The pressure is just too great. And I need this particular thing to get, to get through this temptation. And before long, we find ourselves sitting very comfortably, and we're not going anywhere in the race. We're actually pulled off the track, and we've surrounded ourselves with white noise. You know what white noise is designed to do? To tune out things. That's why you sleep with a fan or you sleep with a noisemaker. We want to tune out noise. And we find ourselves sitting down, giving in to the white noise of life. White noise can be Facebook. It can be binge-watching a Netflix series. Uh, It can be throwing yourself into work. Whatever you do to take your eyes and ears off of the voice of God and you just surround yourself with things so you don't have to think about the situation on that racetrack anymore. And God's desire for you is never to go through hard times and pull yourself completely out of him. His desire is for you to go through those hard times and keep the spiritual disciplines in your life intact, to stay on the track and say, you know what, I'm going to read the word of God. I'm, I'm going to press in and see what he might have to say to me. This is difficult, but I'm not going to give in to the temptation to stop. I'm not going to give in to the temptation to stop prayerfully considering what God might have me do. To, to pour my heart out for him as David did in the Old Testament. Sometimes it was so bad he would say, God, how much longer am I going to have to do this? Including God in that mix. Fellowshipping regularly with other Christians. Sometimes when we go through hard times, one of the first things we do is we pull out of church. And we kind of isolate ourselves. It's a temptation to pull you off the track and to sit and to do nothing. And and I just want to tell you all along the the racetrack, all along the track of life that the writer describes, in 2020, there's going to be chairs lined up along that track for you. There's going to be situations you go through, and the temptation will be to give in to the white noise, to stop the spiritual disciplines in life that keep you standing. And when you sit under the pressure of life, the disciplines that, that keep you and your relationship with God strong, when you begin to think those aren't necessary anymore, that's whenever you become stagnant. That's whenever you become stale. And you become vulnerable and susceptible, not to God's plan for your life anymore, running this, this track, but you become susceptible to Satan's plan for your life. And you know what that is? That's to make you useless to yourself and useless to God. In the middle of our pain, our humanity will always tempt us to sit. But there is a higher calling of God that always demands that we stand. And the reason is because despite the pain of circumstances in life, God is always wanting to move us forward. 
You got to run your race. Have you ever heard of the story of David and Goliath? Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard about it. But David was a shepherd boy. The story for David starts out when he was around 12 years old or so. He was a shepherd. He hung out in the countryside tending his father's sheep. He loved God. He would play his harp. He was a musician, and he would worship God and, and sing to him. And he also learned to use a slingshot. He practiced it out there, got really good at it, and he would defend his sheep. A lion would come in, and, and he would uh, threaten the sheep. He would hit the lion, kill the lion. Same thing happened with a bear, and he killed the bear. Uh, the nation of Israel at this time was at war with the Philistines, and his older brothers were at war. And one time his dad called him in and said, David, I've got this food. I want you to bring it to the troops, bring it to the battlefield. And so he does. He leaves the sheep. He, he goes to the battlefield, and he gets there just in time to hear something, just in time to hear something. And have you ever been running the race of life, and you just get this great feeling that your situation is getting ready to shift? like something's getting ready to go down, like there's a situation that someone has done something or you can just sense it in the air that something's getting ready to happen and you don't, you don't know how you're going to survive it. You don't know what's going to happen next, but there is something, something coming. This is what it was like for David. He's, he's running his race. He's on the track. He's with God, and he hits a problem. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 and in verse 23, he's talking to the troops there and to his brother, and it says, As he was talking to them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. It was something that he did every day. And David David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. The champion from Gath, Goliath, this was a man who was nine feet tall. And he wasn't just a normal enemy representing a normal battle. It was also representation, representative of a deeper spiritual battle. Because the Israelites saw this man, and they had the opportunity to look and say, you know what, this is a, a big man, this is a, a battle that's going to be fierce, but we trust our God. By the way, he has done so many things for us in our past and brought us through time and time again. Would they do that, or would they let the fear of their circumstance drive them into paralyzation? And you know what they did? They chose the chair. <laughs> they, they sat. They were paralyzed by fear. They decided not to trust God. But David, this boy, said, I'm going to run my race. I'm not letting that detract me. I'm, I'm not letting the fear of the temptation to run away distract me. I may be small, but my God is bigger than me. I may be small, but not only is my God bigger than me, I know he's bigger than the giant that's facing me. He said in verse 37, listen, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And in life, in 2020, you, you may reach a place where you don't know what you're going to do financially. Are you going to let the fear of that drive you to the sidelines and sit, rendering yourself useless to God and the work that he wants you to do in 2020? Or will you dig into his word that says, I know my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. Maybe you face a sickness or somebody in your family is sick or someone that you love. Are you going to let that detract you and say, why would God do this to us? Or are you going to look at him and quote the words of Paul that says, I don't know what we're going to do, but I know this. When I'm weak, he's strong. And my weakness doesn't determine God's strength. When you have a relationship struggle, maybe your marriage struggles in 2020, are you going to say, God, change them, and if, if you don't, then I'm leaving? Or are you going to say, God, let the change start with me? Because what you have joined together, let no person, including myself, separate. Let the change start with me. Press in. 
Keep yourself standing on the track. While everybody else was running away, David pressed in. He put trust in his God. And he didn't do it in his own strength. He didn't do it with his own ego. Because you know what? There are things in this life that you can't do on your own. And you need God. And this battle was no different for David. In verse 47, David looked at Goliath and he said, Look, all those gathered here, they're going to know that it's not by the sword or spear, not by human things that's going to save me. The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And, and I love this next line. It says, the Philistine moved closer to attack him. And what did David do? Did he back up? Did he hesitate? Did he run for the chair? No, it said he ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I mean, it's, the problem arose, and David had such faith and trust in God. He didn't back up or cower back, shrink backwards. He actually got quicker and ran down the track of life faster. While everybody else ran to sit, David ran toward the problem. He ran his race. And in case you don't know how that story ends, David took his slingshot and put a rock right between the giant's eyes and killed him. The enemy scattered. Israel took home the dub. When the race gets difficult, we look to Jesus. We, we keep our eyes focused on him. Not the temptation to flee, not the temptation to shrink back. We stay on the track. We run our race. And do you know what I learned about difficult seasons along, along the racetrack? This, this might come as a shock, but God allows difficulties in the life of a Christian. He does. And, and I'm sure that you're like, well, why would he allow this? And I'm sure I could poll the audience and you could tell us what you went through as a Christian. And we would all be hesitant and just scratch our heads and go, I don't know why God allowed that. I don't know. And I think we have to get okay with walking forward with questions, having faith, moving forward going, God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but my life is yours, and I know that you've, you've dealt this to me, and therefore I'm going to stay on the track, and I'm going to walk this with you. But if I could give you a little clue as to, as to why God allows struggles just from a general sense in the life of a Christian, I, I want us to go back to that verse in Hebrews Chapter 12, verse 1, and, and look at a word. It says, let us run with, what's the word? With perseverance. The race marked out for us. Did you miss that the first time I read it? Let us run with perseverance. So he says, not just run the race, but have something in you called perseverance as you run. You're going to need that. Why do we need perseverance? How do we get perseverance? Well, the Bible always backs up the Bible. Did you know that? In James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church, to Christians. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And most of us say, well, he's insane, you know. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The very thing that we hate to have on this walk of life, this racetrack of life, the very thing that, that tempts us that we try to stay away from is the very thing that God uses to keep us on the track and keep us going forward in Him. It, it, we tend to look at Christianity like, well, I gave my heart to God. Everything's going to be great from here on out. No, that's not true because it's actually perseverance that enables you to stay on the track and grow in what God has for you. And the only way you get that is through enduring trials, enduring hardships, in such a way that God actually grows you. It's the same Greek word as the Hebrews, writer of Hebrews used, perseverance. We're supposed to run it with perseverance. Why? Look at verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
God's primary goal is not to make you comfortable. God's primary goal is to complete you. His goal is to make you everything that he wants you to be, to be mature in him, to grow up in him, to not lack anything that you need so that you get through other situations in life and you're able to look back and go, God's brought me this far. I know he's going to bring me through this. Let, let it finish its work in you. You know what that means? That means when you're on the racetrack of life, you don't get halfway through and quit. But when it's difficult, you press into God even more. You press into his word even more. You don't let the difficulty drive you to the sideline. You let the difficulty drive you to, you, to, to the presence of God. You let the difficulty drive you to his word. So we're in this racetrack of life. We're going to have hardships. Our humanity is going to try to pull us to the side to quit. Doesn't that sound great for 2020? <laughs> so what, what do we do with hardships? Well, it's very simple. We rest. We don't quit. Sometimes there are seasons of life that are hard, and it's a given that they're going to be difficult at times. But we rest. We don't quit. Maybe we physically can't do ministry like we used to. Maybe the, the, the hardship that we encounter on this track of life, it slows us down. We can't run and, and maybe uh, serve every single week like we used to, or we can't give of our time the way we used to, maybe because we have to, to hone in and start to handle some things at home. Or we have to deal with a family member who's sick, and, and, and we, we can't do the same things we used to do. But we rest, we don't quit. We rest in God. We still read his word. We still press into him. We still include him in the difficulty as we come to him with conversation. We don't sit down. We stay on the track, and we, we rest in him. And sometimes, again, sometimes the hardship demands that we don't go as fast as we used to, but we still stand. We rest. We don't quit. In fact, Jesus anticipated this when he said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He's talking, have you gone through such in life where you're, you, are, you are just stripped completely? You, you don't have anything left. Come to me. See, I, I understand there's going to be this temptation to go there. Don't do it. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Look at what he says next. Don't miss this. He said, walk with me. He didn't say sit with me. He said walk with me. Work with me. Don't stop. And I'll show you how to do it. Watch me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You might not be able to run in your race. Maybe life has slowed you down a little bit, but you still walk. Maybe you can't sprint like you used to be able to, like a, like a, like a great spiritual person because life has just drugged you down. But you press into God and you work with him. You can't work from a seated position. You can't walk with God whenever you're, you're sitting down. Uh, the same is, is true in Exodus 33 when, when God told Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. There was an assumption that he was going to go. God does some of his best work in us while we're hurting, but resting in him, walking with him. I think it's interesting that when we read the intimacy of Adam and God's relationship in Genesis, it says that Adam walked with God. There's something about a walking pace that's rejuvenating. There's something sometimes when we get down to the last bit of energy that we have left and, and we're just walking with God. We've slowed down. We've cut a lot of things out. 
but our, our relationship with God we're focusing on. And we're at this walking pace with him. It's, it's then that I feel, I feel like we're more open to learning things of God because we're more sensitive to him. We're, it's like we get to a place where we can just breathe because we've cut out all this other stuff and, and we're just walking with God. We're open to hearing God. And, and I'll just say this too. It's when you're walking with God, sometimes it's when you're facing the most difficult things in life that you've ever faced. That's when you have the opportunity to grow the most. And, and I'll just throw this in there. We're, we're not typically looking to grow spiritually when we're going through pain. That's not our main focus. We're hurting. Our focus is to stop hurting and to press into God and have faith. But it's amazing the byproduct of that is growth. It's perseverance. And you come out on the other side, and you're not the same as you were. But none of that happens when you sit. Rest in him. Don't quit. Ephesians 6 describes how we're supposed to handle what he calls the day of evil in our lives. It's where we face the real enemy of our faith. It's where the hardship comes in in life while we're on this, this racetrack. And, and the Bible says we're supposed to put on the armor of God, the full armor of God. And, and maybe you've read the verse. I'll just tell you really fast. He's talking about faith and truth and peace and knowing our salvation is in Jesus Christ and being in right standing with him in righteousness and taking on the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And he says this in verse 13. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand, say stand, stand your ground. And when you've done everything, when you've exhausted everything, when you can't do anything else, to stand. What do you do when hardships come? You rest in God. You don't quit. You stand. Run your race. There's another part of this race that sometimes we forget about. But in 2020, you're going to need to help other people who are struggling. Because the Bible talks about this race, and the Bible says that we're the church. We're the body of Christ, and we're supposed to help each other and build each other up. And, and you're going to see other Christians that may be sitting along the racetrack of life, and you're running your race, and, and you're going to see them there. What do you do? Do you leave them behind? Or do we encourage? Do we help them? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, talking to the church, Christians, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly or spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, back onto the racetrack of life. Look at verse 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. He's saying if you want to obey Jesus Christ, then, then share Someone's burden. Don't just pass them by. I want to illustrate this real fast. John, you want to come up here a second and help me out? Everybody welcome John. Now pick any chair you want. It represents sin. Go ahead. He chose the biggest one. So what happens in the path of life? 2020 comes around and you're, you're going on this race of life and you, you come across somebody, a brother or a sister, a Christian, who is off the track. They may not show that at church services or in life. In fact, in church services, we typically smile and put on a front. But from a spiritual standpoint, down deep, maybe I'm close enough to John or, or you're close enough to somebody in your life, and I know that he's, he's fallen off the wagon. I know that he is he's off the beaten path. I quit seeing him around. And maybe he's starting to get back into some things that, 
we both know and the Bible describes as sin, and am I supposed to just leave him there? Have you, you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? And one of, the, one of the guys that passed, the guy who got beaten up and robbed and he's laying to die on the road, it was like a religious guy that walked by and just bypassed him, left him all together. And that's what it looks like whenever we see brothers and sisters in Christ who have fallen off the racetrack of life and we just bypass them. We just, we're running our own race and we're like, what's up? And we just, like, just enough time to just go by them and, and we're doing good. We don't really have time to stop and help somebody else. Or maybe, and I don't know if this is better or if this is worse, but maybe we're like on a spiritual high. I mean, we're just, our life is going good. We are in Christ Jesus, and we're running our race, and, and, and we stop, but we kind of jog in place, and we give them the Christian cliche. Woo, you can do it, man. God is with you, and I don't want to stop long enough because I'm running my spiritual race, and I don't want my spiritual heart rate to slow down or anything. I don't want to, so I look at his burdens. I don't share them. You can do it, buddy. Sometimes we can do that at church services, can't we? How you doing? Good. Yeah, everything going good? Yeah. Person's hurting, but yet we don't have the spiritual insight to say anything. Or or maybe in your bridge group, that's a more appropriate place to look at somebody boldly and say, what's going on? I haven't been seeing you lately, and if I can just be blunt, I just want you to know this isn't what God has for you. God has more for you than this. And I want you to know I'm with you. I'm, I'm here for you as a brother. Or if it's a gal, I'm here for you as a sister. I'm not going to let you do this. I'm running this race, and we're supposed to run this together. Your problem is my problem. And I don't know how I'm going to help, but I'm just offering myself to you. We're going to go eat next week, and we're going to talk because I care about you. I'm, I'm, now I'm not just looking at his burden. I'm sharing it. God never called us to look at somebody else's burden he said, you want to obey the law of Christ? Then share their burden. Give a hand to John. Thank you, man. I remember going through a divorce four years ago, and sometimes the pain of that was too much to live with. Some of you experienced that. You talk about a life hurt. You talk about a just stop you in your tracks. And I remember one day pulling into my garage and shutting the garage door, and I just didn't get out of the truck shut the truck off, and I just felt myself sinking. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And within a second or two, my phone rings. And I look at it, and it's one of the closest friends I have in life, spirit-filled man of God. And I picked up the phone, and literally he heard my voice, and within a few seconds, he's praying for me and just speaking the word of God over my life and speaking truth into my life. And he said, you know what, man? I'm in this with you. And if you need me to drive where you are, I'm, I'm going to drive there. He reminded me that, you know what, there is more to life than this, and God has more in store for me than this. But he also told me, I'm here, and I'm going to go through this with you. Uh, He shared my burden, and he pointed me back to the racetrack. I remember a year later, I I was still trudging through the mess that divorce makes, and I remember I didn't leave the house much back then. And I didn't want to get out. I didn't want to do anything. And and I don't think at that point I was sitting down in a chair, but I was on this side of the racetrack. (laughs) I I was hugging a chair kind of reserving for myself the right to, to sit down at any moment because that's what we do whenever we face hardships that are really hard. We kind of give ourselves a little pity party and say, I deserve this. And, and I'll never forget a, a friend of mine, he's a pastor friend of mine, he called me um, and he said, what are you doing? And I started to say nothing and before I could get it out, he said, put some gym clothes on, I'm coming to get you in 30 minutes, be ready. 
but I, and then hung up the phone. I remember thinking on the outside, I wanted to go, I don't want to go anywhere. On the inside, I was going, thank you, God. Like, I can't do it myself. I need someone to pull me out of this. And he began to encourage me on that little outing. He took me on and, and told me, you know what, God's got plans for you. He encouraged me and told me that, you know what, I can't offer you everything, but I can tell you this, I'm here for you, and you've got a friend down the road, and I'll be in this with you. And he continued to follow up with me. He pulled me out of the sidelines and pointed me back through the racetrack. And there's going to be times where you're going to see other people in 2020 sitting. There's going to be times where you see people slowing down because they're going through hardships, and you want to just pass them on by. But you see them slowing down and, and kind of wandering over to the edge of the track to a chair where the spiritual disciplines are going away. And they're, they're handling their hardships, not in a, a godly, healthy way, running this race of life, resting in God, but instead they're resting in rationalizations. They're resting in things that they can see with their own eyes, hopes and dreams that are represented in this temporal world that does nothing for their eternal soul. What are you going to do? Well, the Bible says if we're real Christians, we'll share in each other's burdens. Sometimes you're going to want to sit. Let's get honest. There's going to be times where you want to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. And there's going to be somebody, thank God, that says, I'm going to share that burden with them. And I'm going to pull them from where they are, and I'm going to point them back to the track to get back into the race. So what do we need to do? Help other people who are struggling and accept the help from other Christians whenever we're struggling. Last one, in this race of life, you need to remember that you're not alone. Remember that you're not alone. The only thing worse than going through a really tough time is going through it alone. They've even researched this, and they they say that human beings, a, a human is capable of extreme hardships and actually coming out on the other side of it better than expected if they go through it with somebody. And on this journey of life, God says that you're not alone. Loneliness can be a deal breaker. But you were never meant to go through life alone, and God promises that you'll never be alone. In fact, Isaiah 41.10, God says to you and me today, don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. And I want that verse to, to not just go over your heads, but I want you to understand that there's going to be times in life where, yes, there's going to be people sharing your burden with you, but they're not going to be necessarily in your house all the time when you feel the pain of the, what, you're, what you're going through. And what God is saying to you today is that you're not alone. This coming year when you face trials and hardships that you feel by yourself, God is saying you are not alone. I'm with you. And I want to help you. I want to I save you with my right hand. I'll support you. I'll make you strong when you're weak. But don't run off the track. Don't, don't give in to the temptation that says you can do it yourself or you just abandon the faith altogether. Stay on the track. Rest in me. Walk with me. Work with me. Let me show you how to recover your life. You're not alone. And very quickly, I just... I want to talk to you, maybe who have resolved yourself to a chair. And you've, you've sat in this chair, and you don't know how God's going to use you. 
Maybe you're there now. Maybe you've just cut all the spiritual disciplines out of your life. You, don't, you didn't want to, but you did. And maybe it was a slow fade, but maybe you find yourself sitting here today listening to me talk, and you're like, you know what? I'm sitting in one of these chairs. I don't know when the last time I read God's Word is. And more importantly, I, I can't say that I value it. I don't know when the last time I really included God in my prayer time. Not just prayed some empty prayer, but I can't remember when I included God in my life. And you find yourself sitting here. Maybe in 2020, you're going to go through something. And maybe, because we're all human and we're all capable, and I like just to be real, I hope this doesn't happen, but maybe you find yourself sitting in a chair, having abandoned the track, having abandoned the walk with God. And we say, how can, God, how can God still use me? Because that's the question we have typically when we pull away from God is how can God still use me? There's feelings of guilt and feelings of shame. You know what every good race needs when you're on the racetrack? One of the first things runners say is you need a good pair of shoes. And sometimes when life hits us and the track of life has just wiped us completely out, it wears our shoes completely down. Kind of like these shoes. This is a pair of shoes that I bought in high school, actually. It was 20 years ago, and they used to be white. They used to be so white that when you wore them outside, the sun would hit them, you'd blind people. I mean, that's how white these used to be, no kidding. And they've kind of uh, graduated to yard work shoes over the years, and they're all messed up. They've got all kinds of rips in the back, and in the front there's this big hole, all kinds of things crawl in there and dirt and everything else whenever you're in the yard. And this represents sometimes what our life looks like when we've had hardship and pain. Man, sometimes life has just handed it to us, and we have run and run, and and we're sitting here sometimes on the sidelines, and we're, we didn't mean to, but we ended up here. And and God looks at us, and the first thing we think is, God, how can you still use me? I want to talk to you here. I want to encourage you here because God says you're still not alone. And if you find yourself having abandoned the spiritual disciplines, and you feel so guilty, I want you to know God can even still meet you there. But oftentimes we look and we say, God, what about this? What about the hardships that I've faced? Why did you let me go through these things? God, you remember that hole? Remember when that hole got there? Remember when I went through that thing and it hurt so bad? I can't run in these. And it's, it's then that you're, you become completely amazed at how God can use the thing you never thought he'd use, your failure where you pulled yourself off the track and sat here and you're wondering how God can even use me. Not to glorify the failure, but to glorify what he can do with it because he's sovereign and his grace, the Bible says his love and grace is higher than the heavens. And even when you fail God, it's amazing how you still find him right there with you. I, he uses the seated position. God, how can you use that? Well, when you're sitting, you can put new shoes on. And he'll take your past experiences, he'll take your hardships, he'll take your pain, and he'll say, I want you to come back on this racetrack of life. He said, but I'm going to take this seated position you're on, and I'm going to give you a new pair of shoes. I'm going to give you a pair of shoes you can run in. I'm going to give you a pair of shoes that are new and shiny and have good soles on them. I don't want you to quit. But he uses that position, that seated position, to put a new pair of shoes on you, and he doesn't leave you there. Hear me. He takes you by the hand, he pulls you back up, and he says, I want you to run your race.
if you find yourself sitting, God is with you. And his desire for you is not to stay seated, but is to fit you with a new pair of shoes to stand you back up. Not to forget the old ones you had, but to get you back out on that track and run your race. And I just wonder how many people are in the room today that says, I want 2020 to be a year that I run my race. I want 2020 to be a year where, yes, the temptation may come to sit, but I'm going to stand. And I'm going to put on the full armor of God. There's going to be temptation to quit, but I choose not to quit. I choose to rest. I choose to press in to the Lord. I choose to walk with him and to work with him. And while there may be some times where I don't run as fast along the track of life, I choose to rest in him. I choose to work with him and let him show me. I choose to dig into his word. Is there anybody in the room today that would say, I want 2020 to be a year that I run my race? Here's how I want to end the service today. It's a little bit different, but going into this new year, I just want us to end up around the altar today. For anybody that would say, I want 2020 to be a year that I, I run my race, and I want to commit myself to running this race for God this year. Would you do that? If that's you, I, I just want us to, to gather around this altar as just a, a, a symbolism of our commitment to him. Just go ahead and get up out of your seat. And I just want to lead us in a prayer down here. I believe God has great things in store for you in 2020. I believe that the things that God is going to allow in your life is not meant to harm you, but it's meant to persevere you, meant to grow you. And the Bible says to give you a hope and a future. Just pack in. If you're in the aisleways, that's okay. God sees your heart. There's nothing special about getting up and walking an aisle, but there is something special about a heart that says, I'm doing this because I want God to see my sacrifice for him. Lord, you see these people, you see me, and you see our sacrifice to you that says, Lord, I, I cannot do it without you. I need you. For some of us, we've, we feel like we've just barely survived 2019, and we're, we're wondering what's going to happen in this new year. Lord, you have a track for us to run, and it, your word says it's marked out. That you haven't, you haven't made us like leaves in the wind just to float here and there. But you have a specific pace, the book, the book of Galatians says, to keep pace with the Spirit. You have a specific milestones that we're going to hit along the way. Help us not to get sidetracked, Lord, by the, the, the temptation to sit along the track of life. And so you're looking at a group of people here today that commit to run our race in 2020. To press into you to make your word a priority, to take time with you, to do more than just associate with you, but actually grow a relationship with you, to let you know that we love you and to admit in faith that we know that you love us. You're looking at a group of people that's not satisfied with just attending church services, but that we believe that your word is real and that you actually have a plan for our lives. And when we come into a room like this, one day a week on Sundays, Lord, we want it to be an overflow of joy and celebration of what we're experiencing with you during the week. It doesn't happen in the chairs. It happens on the track. So, Lord, empower us in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Remind us of everything that Jesus said. Remind us that you're for us, not against us. Remind us that you're relevant in every single situation. Help us not to rationalize sitting down. Oh, we do it so easily. We're, we're human beings. Help us not to rationalize jumping off the track. 
but help us to remember that we've committed ourselves to the Almighty God, and the Almighty God has committed himself to us, and that we can run this race with perseverance. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen to that together? Can we take about 10 seconds and just thank him for what he's going to do for us in 2020 in faith?